I got my coffee. We're ready to go. Okay. And it's, you know, I was thinking about, you know, how difficult it was for my daughter who has ADHD um, getting to school and the importance of including the school um, into understanding what was happening at home. Um, I know that during that time, I know that it would probably would have ended up with her not even getting to school on a regular basis. Um, Mornings were you know, really hard. Um, you know, we would obviously give her her medicine in the morning, but it was just getting her out the door. Um, we would have frequent, if not every morning meltdowns and these meltdowns would, um, really last a very long time where she was absolutely sick to her stomach because she was getting herself so worked up crying. Sorry about that. Is that your mom coming? Probably, you know, and I think that it is really important for parents to understand that we do need to have that um, connection with the school and communicate, you know, how difficult it is for our children to get to school or what we're dealing with, with our children in the mornings, you know, so there was a lot of time that I didn't include the school. You know, I didn't think that they were part of um, the team, right? Um, But then I soon found out, like, I really need the teacher to understand what is happening in my home on a day-to-day basis. They saw my daughter as this perfect angel. They never saw the behaviors. They never saw the meltdowns. And I'm like, well, we have two different views. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, I mean, I would, um, with certain teachers that were very, accepting of, okay, just text me, you know? Okay, well, I got that phone number and I texted literally almost daily saying, okay, can you meet me in the office, please? Um, Just so that I can get her in front of you. You can help her um, regulate. Um, And then she went off and had a tremendously good day. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I think that I think that as parents, we don't realize that that maybe the fact that it's difficult, so difficult to get our kiddos out the door in the morning and get them, whether it's on the bus or into the building, I don't think that that they realize that those can be maybe symptoms of anxiety and depression because we we see, we hear a lot about adult symptoms of anxiety and depression. And I, I know I did not realize that those symptoms are different in children. And so um, we have a really nice video clip from a presentation that Dr. Anna Radovic did for us. Uh, And she kind of talks a little bit about the differences and she pulled up some images on Google search of depression, like teen depression. And the pictures were the pictures that we see where uh, a teenager sitting in the hallway in front of his locker at school with his hands on his head. Well, okay, that, that that conveys the picture, but I don't think that um, I don't think that that's what it looks like in real life. You're not you're not going to walk down the hall and see a bunch of kids sitting in front of their locker with their hands on their head. Um, but you may see kids who are more likely to fight with each other. I did not know that that being argumentative or you know fighting was a, a symptom of depression. Could be symptom of depression or anxiety. And with our younger kids, our kiddos who are a little clingier, 
you know, they, they want to know where you going, mom, or they want to be in the room with you, or they're hanging out with you a little bit more. I know I would enjoy that, but it, it could also, if it's a different and uh, extreme symptom, that that could be uh, a symptom of anxiety and depression too. So sometimes our kids dragging their feet, not wanting to get out the door, um, a stomach ache, a headache before school, um, maybe that intentional forgetting if if every morning for two weeks they have to run back in the house to get something before mm-hmm. school and now maybe you have to drive them to school maybe something's going on on the bus or maybe something's happening at school so it's good to to have that conversation with them and that's maybe like a shoulder to shoulder conversation so not like across the table um, or maybe like a, because that kind of creates like an adversarial, like, oh, I'm in trouble. But if you're driving them to like someplace, maybe to something that they enjoy. So there's less stress, kind of ask them what's going on. But those can all be a, a sign that something's going on with your kiddo, especially if they used to like school and now they don't. So like you were saying, Tracy, I, it's good to kind of reach out maybe schedule the meeting with their their morning teacher and find out what's happening. But it could also be um, a, a sign, uh, it could also be a side effect of their medication. I know Absolutely. that, yeah, when my son used to switch medications, he would have some stomach issues for a while, maybe mm-hmm. until his, his body kind of got used to that, uh, that medication. So that, that might be something that you might want to tell a teacher too, like, takes his medicine in the morning about an hour after maybe they get really tired or you know maybe they start to have some stomach issues so you might get that call from school on a regular basis maybe if they take another uh, pill at, at lunchtime you may get a call like oh my stomach's bothering me come pick me up but anything with school avoidance I really like that idea of being a little proactive and talking to a teacher if if your kiddo has an IEP or 504 plan, that's something that when you all, you can call a meeting and you could get together and talk about what are some of these problems that are happening and how can we work with, with our child to get them into school? A quick question. I wanted to ask you guys. So every parent wants to feel like they, uh, like they're doing the right job. Their parents were able to get them to go to school, right? Your parents were able to get you to go to school sometimes. Um, so when you are a parent and you're having this issue with getting your child to want to go to school, yes, there could be background issues, but maybe you don't know that. At what point do you tell yourself, I need help? I can't do this on my own anymore. And how do you realize that? Or when do you realize that? You know, for me, um, we already had um, services in place and home um, therapy services for my daughter. Um, and we thought that that was good enough, right? That we were giving her the services um, that she needed. Um, it took three years. Um, now, obviously, they helped the family. They helped me, my husband, and everybody, you know, together. Um, but I think at this point, I didn't think that the school needed to be included in that that circle of treatment teams. Um, and then that's when I reached out to the school because I needed to have them part of the team, right? Um, as a parent, I needed that extra support because nobody believed that we were struggling so hard at home, right? So we need to be proactive and 
you know, I think that we all say it. We are the experts of our child. We live it every day, right? We know what they're they're going through because we see it. We're trying to help them. Um, I know that I used our, you know, family service as my own support as well because they were able to validate my experiences of what we were going through. They were able to support me and my husband going, yeah, I do understand what you're going through, you know, um, because they were also witnessing it and they gave us the tools, you know, and recommendations of what we can do um, in the home and how we can also help um, our child in the school setting too. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, when my daughter exited kindergarten, the teacher kind of said, um, it's time for maybe you to think about like that evaluation for an ADHD because she is really hyper, you know? So I didn't recognize that my child was having a hard time until somebody else was able to kind of express and relate it to having a difficult time in school, right? That energy level, um, it's not that they're having a problem they're having a difficulty right um that's my experience and and i'll tell you i think that i think that it's different when when your kiddo is younger in elementary school we're more likely to get calls from the school they partner a little closer with us in high school with all the different teachers and everything going on parents the first time parents hear about this stuff maybe when they get a notice that your child skipped school or your child skipped a class. And, you know, then I think it's it, it might be normal for a parent to kind of be angry with their child thinking that, oh, you're just, you're blowing off school. Not really, for some families, maybe not really sitting down and going, hey, like what's going on? How come you're, you know, how come you're leaving school? Um, although, you know, luckily there's a lot of nice families out there or not, I don't want to, judge them as being nice or not. Um, but maybe like parents who are more likely to have a conversation with their kiddo and be like, you know, what's going on? How come, how come you left school that day? And hopefully have a relationship where maybe your child be like, oh, I just needed a break or, oh, you know, the teacher's kind of a jerk or I didn't have my homework done. So in that particular class, it's better to not be in school than not, not have your homework ready. Um, so Parents, the first time parents hear this stuff, they may kind of, it, it may come out of the blue. What do you mean you haven't been going to school? I know during the pandemic, we heard from families where totally out of left field, they get a, a, like a knock on the door or a, a phone call from uh, children and youth services or children and family services where they're like, you've been uh, reported to CYS or CYF uh, because your kid hasn't been going to school and mm -hmm. we need to come and we need to interview you and find out what's happening because this is a problem. And I remember at least in one particular case, the child had been there every day. What the problem was though, uh, a child with ADHD and in the beginning, the teacher said, okay, now everybody, when you come into class, you have to push this button. It's for attendance. And most of the students remembered, but our child with ADHD just, they didn't know. And they weren't pushing that button. Mm -hmm. And because of the disconnect between the, the teacher 
and um, you know the the program and the administrative office that was pulling that report of look this child hasn't been in class for like four days in a row that the child was being reported as truant and and I mean I get it, it especially during COVID there were a lot of systems we had to figure things out but that was an easy fix once people started talking to each other but. Obviously, the parent is there with the child. They were in the same room. Mom was working from home too, knew that the child was there. She was helping the child log on. but um, And the teacher knew the child was there, but there was just not that communication between the administrative offices, the parent and the teacher. That was an easy fix, although terrifying for mom, rightly so. But uh, some of these may be really easy fixes. I know we hear from parents a lot. We'll get calls like, hey, I'm, I'm being told that my kid was absent all these times. I'm writing a note, sending it in and throwing it in my child's backpack. Once they get to school, there's not much I can do. And no one is kind of prompting the child, hey, do you have a note? or even the child remembering and looking. So some of the things I know that, you know, I've talked to parents about and we've all talked to parents about is emailing uh, a note. And sometimes you get schools that are a little picky about that. But I think when, when you really sit down and have that conversation about how can we get something as simple as a note about an absence to the school, let's figure out a bunch of different ways. Let's, let's, you know, Get, get that communication going. But again, it's sometimes just sitting in a room and talking to people about it. Oh, I know, Christina, that like during the pandemic, I think students were even getting marked absent if they didn't have the uh, screen on. Um, and we, I heard a lot of families like he was there, you know, he or she was there, but um, they were marked absent because they didn't have the um, camera on. Um, they weren't paying attention. They were off in another room, you know, and so they were being marked absent because they didn't have the screen on. And I think that, again, has that converse, you know, opening that conversation up with the student, you know, um, like pushing that button. I know my daughter had a very hard time, you know checking in, making sure she was checked in, that she was there for the day, you know? And so, you know, having that conversation with the administrators, um, I know that we all learned things through the pandemic. This was the first time that we had to be faced with certain things like that, but I think it opened up that dialogue about truancy um, and to have that conversation with parents, because I know that um, a lot of times, our parents aren't even invited to that um, attendance improvement meeting to have the parent and the, and the cl uh, student um, and the parent, like having that conversation, how can we improve your attendance at school? You know, what's going on? Do we need to include, you know, like the student assistant program? Are there, you know, struggles? Um, you know, so having that conversation with the school um, and identifying, you know, what truancy is. You know, I was really shocked when we had that webinar with the Education Law Center. Mm -hmm. How many school districts, how many school buildings, how many school administrators and teachers had no idea that the the law had changed? And I think that was even back like in 2018. So the law had changed well before the pandemic. But the, the schools themselves did not know that 
there are steps that they need to take in advance of reporting a child for truancy. And that really came about, and it, it totally makes sense, where a mom was sent to jail mm-hmm. just for a couple of days, maybe. I, I say just. I don't want to go to jail for any days. Right. Um, but the mom was sent to jail because of a truancy issue with her child and died. Like, what? Yeah, what a ridiculous reason to lose a parent Mm -hmm. and think about that long-term trauma and so sometimes we use these ridiculous extremes rather than sitting the family down sitting you know including the child depending upon their age and surrounding them with supports and there really are quite a quite a few supports that are able to to work with families to really figure out what's going on with the child and let's get them to school. So some silly things like, you know, maybe your child has anxiety um, or ADHD and can't get to sleep at night. So when they finally are able to fall asleep at one in the morning, it's really, really, really difficult to wake them up. And we already know that teenagers' circadian rhythm is different from hours as adults. And so they're going to naturally have a hard time falling asleep. But if you add that anxiety or depression or ADHD or whatever on top of it, it, it might make sense that, you know, maybe they're, they're missing the bus, but mom or dad is already off at work. So nobody can get them there. And so instead of being late again, they just skip school um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I love this requirement that, schools have where they are they have to notify parents um, when their child is has so many absences uh, before they do anything so that's a great opportunity for mom or dad to go like wait wait I sent in a note every single time they were absent and then identifying is there a disconnect where maybe the note from the house didn't get to the school that's happens all the time um, or if the absences continue for the school to get together and have a student attendance improvement plan where the parents are invited. Now, even if the parents don't go, the school still holds that meeting. And now we've seen, we've heard from a lot of people where that meeting is just kind of a a technicality and they don't really get into it or do any troubleshooting. But um, I think that that's something really important that parents should know about. So if for some reason you're getting a letter from a magistrate or a letter from a school that's saying, we're turning you into a magistrate for truancy, that parent needs to find out, when did you notify me that my child was absent? What steps have you taken? Have you have you uh, done a student attendance improvement plan? Where When did you invite me to those meetings? Where's that? the uh, the proof that of phone calls, where's the letter that you sent me? And it is kind of funny though, I will say, one of the things we tell parents is to communicate with your school and let them know you may have changed your phone number and you don't even remember. 
maybe the end of the school year, you dropped your phone and when you got a new phone, you got a new phone number. Maybe you changed plans, whatever. And, and like, I don't think about stuff like that. I just naturally assume, yeah, everybody who needs my number has it. So maybe the school doesn't have your phone number. Maybe there's that disconnect. Maybe you're, you're how often do we know that uh, emails that should go to you end up in your spam folder. So maybe that's all happened. Maybe it's a, a misunderstanding, but definitely reach out to your school and kind of see what they can do to get on the same page and work through this. But I also think it's important to, as a parent, to document because not all schools want to work with families. So document if you reached out to the school and said, you know, my 10-year-old has ADHD. You know this. How can I email you the, you know, the no and they go, oh, no, we have to have it handwritten. You know, if they're not going to work with you, you should keep keep a record of that. Tracy, is there a way that you kind of talk to parents about that? Yes, I've actually talked to the Department of Education and um, there is. Ooh, that's what happened with that. <laughs> well, I think that we need to, you know, learn about what the law is what the law says and what the protections uh, parents have, right? Um, there is an action plan um, that the Department of Education even has where um, what is the action step? Who's responsible for that action step? Uh, what communications um, happened or are required? Um, when is it going to be reviewed? There is a date that, you know, the uh, person that's responsible, you know, what date is that going to be reviewed on and what the outcome is, you know, and I think that that should be something that the schools and parents request. Um, you know, I know that there is a ton of parents uh, this year that were um, referred for truancy. And I can say that the majority of them did not have these conferences did not have um, a meeting um, set up by the school to discuss any type of issues at home, issues with the, you know, um, the child. Um, they were sent directly to truancy. So I think that it's really important to know what the laws are and what protections families have um, so that they know, nope, this is not right. You know, you guys didn't, like you just said, you know, you did not ask for, um, I, a meeting to discuss the um, problems that are happening or these absences, you just went straight to truancy, right? Um, so know the law and know the protections that um, your students have for your child. We had so many calls and issues that we actually put together an entire page of everything um, on attendance and truancy with links directly to the Department of Ed, the mm -hmm. Pennsylvania Department of Ed, um, our great partner, the Education Law Center. They're fantastic. Um, but it's, it's really kind of shocking and that there's so many schools out there that um, maybe rather than pick up the phone or reaching out to a family, we'll just go directly right to turning families in to CYS um, or CYF depending upon, you know, where you live or turning someone over to a magistrate. And we really need to make, uh, to, to do better educating our magistrates. So when these kind of uh, issues come before them, 
the first thing that they do before they make a decision is know uh, know what the Department of Ed says mm -hmm. so that they could say to the school, all right, I want to see the student attendance improvement plan. I want to see where you've reached out to the family so that we're not clogging up our courts Absolutely. with something that should have been dealt with differently. And I think that you could find the bad actors, those schools that just just automatically go to truancy. They, you know, that's the first thing that that they say. They don't necessarily work with families. There's some great, great, great schools out there. Unfortunately, there's some not so great, great, great schools out there. And I think that something that you also brought up regarding the magistrate is I think that there needs to be, they need to understand um, what parents are also dealing with, with wait lists. You know, if, if the magistrate is saying, well, you need to, to get into um, mental health um, counseling and things like that within the next two weeks, um, we know as parents, we can't get into anything for months so what is that expectation from the courts on parents and, and their children that's not even realistic? You know, so having that conversation, you know, saying that's, that's just not acceptable, you know, so. Well, not just that, but like an understanding of what it's like to, to get a mental health diagnosis. Yeah. It's not cut and dry mm -hmm. where... Um, you can test for something like diabetes, or you could put them into an x-ray machine to see that, oh, there is a, a, a bone broken in their foot. That's, that's why they're sometimes in pain. And, um, wouldn't you know, it be this, nice if it was that easy? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but it's, it's not like that. And even if you were to get, let's pretend we lived in an ideal world and you could get an appointment with a therapist, um, two weeks is, is not, that's not going to fix anything. It's, it, you know, so there, it's really sad when we see that schools aren't offering the support that's available. Um, they're not surrounding the family with um, with things like maybe like the SAP team, the student uh, assistance program, um, or or maybe they have a student assistance program, but they only deal with students who have maybe drug and alcohol issues instead of mental health issues and some of the other challenges that families deal with. It's it's often funny that schools, when we talk to people, schools are either great and super 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 helpful or eh, not so great, maybe even bordering on really kind of less than, <laughs> less than useful um, or part of the problem, you know? Thank you so much for listening to This Is Not What I Was Expecting. We hope this quick chat with a couple of moms has made you feel less alone in your parenting journey. As a parent, you don't have a lot of time in your hectic day. So we are happy you spent this time with us. If you want to stay connected with us, visit us at paparentandfamilyalliance.org.